This brings us to the midpoint of the 70th week of Daniel, the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation period in Revelation. Revelation chapter 6, if you have that, say praise the Lord. Verse 7, Revelation 6 and verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. This is sort of a, a yellowish green horse, an ashen in color. It says, I saw a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death and Hell. Death and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Amen. Go to Matthew 24, please. Jesus in the Olivet Discourse gives the sequence of events and prophecy. In Matthew chapter 24... Verse, beginning with verse 4. Of course, the disciples had asked questions. What's going to be the sign of His coming and the end of the age? And Jesus begins to answer this. He says in verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So there's false Christ, Right? And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So he said there's going to be false Christ. Then he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. But he says that this is not the end. In verse 7, for nations shall rise against nation, ethnic groups shall rise against ethnic groups, and kingdoms against kingdom. And there shall be famine, famine, we talked about that last week, famine, and pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, are literally the beginning of birth pangs. Then shall they deliver you up to, uh, to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So we have persecution prophesied here upon the people of God. In verse 10, And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So we have a prophecy of betrayal. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The love for Jesus, the love for God uh, is going to wax cold because of the iniquity or lawlessness that's going to be at that time. But he that shall endure or persevere unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, so again verse 13 tells us the need for perseverance. And to persevere all of these things that he just talked about before. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation 
spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. This is the dividing point. This is the midpoint of the tribulation period right here. When they see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. That's the middle of the tribulation period. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountain. So when we're talking about in Israel here, when they see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, the Lord says, when you see that, he says, flee to the mountains. Flee out of Judea and flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation. So when you get to the middle of the seven-year tribulation period, this is the beginning of the great, what's called the great tribulation period. So that the last three and a half years of the tribulation period is known as the great tribulation. For then shall be great tribulation. Do you see that? Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you right now for your awesome word. We ask God that you speak to us and give us an anointing today. That we might declare your word, Lord God. Flow by your spirit through my spirit to these people we ask God in the mighty name of Jesus. That we would be prepared for the days to come, Lord. And all that you have warned us of, God, let us be aware of and let us be watching, Lord. Let us be ready. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Keep your place in Matthew 24. And we're going to go back to the book of Revelation chapter 6. So you'll see this fourth seal. The fourth seal basically is the beginning of the fourth year of the tribulation period. So the first seal... The rider on the white horse comes forth riding. It speaks to us specifically of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it also lets us know there's going to be false Christ or an antichrist. Because if, if you notice, Revelation 6 and Matthew 24 parallel, Jesus gave a sign. He said, false Christ will come. Then you have in Revelation 6, the rider on the white horse depicting a false Christ. Then Jesus said, following the false Christ, there will be war. In Matthew 24, and then Revelation 6, we see a rider on a red horse, taking peace from the earth. War. Then Jesus said, there's going to be famine. In Matthew 24, and Revelation 6, we see a rider come forth on a black horse with a pair of balances in his hand. And so that's a picture of scarcity or a time of famine. Then in chapter uh, uh, Matthew 24, the Bible talks about death that's going to come. And in Revelation chapter 6, we also see here that this fourth seal is open. And when it's open, the Bible says that this pale horse comes forth. It's a yellow-green horse. And his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. 
and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword. Say with the sword. And this particular sword is the sword of God. It's the sword of the Lord. Okay. And the Bible says not only with the sword, but it also tells us that he's going to be able to kill with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Okay, are you with me at this point? Okay, so this brings you to the middle point of the tribulation period. Now, let's talk about this. First of all, if you go to Revelation 4, let's talk about this beast, this fourth beast that's calling the rider forward. Okay, verse 7. The first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Okay? And so in verse 7 of chapter 6, when he opens this fourth seal, he hears the voice of the fourth beast. So the fourth beast is the eagle. Now go with me to Job, Job <clears throat> chapter 39. And I'm taking my time here to give you some scriptural background. Because I don't want to lose you. This is probably one of the most important lessons that I'll, I'll teach you. Concerning the book of Revelation. Okay, in the book of Job, chapter 39. We're going to talk about the eagle first. This eagle beast. This eagle creature. That calls forth this rider. Now, <clears throat> what you need to understand is. That from the throne. These creatures are calling forth these riders on these horses so it is God that is bringing the judgment on the earth these riders that are coming forth are symbolic of many things they are symbolic of the work of Christ upon the cross because he finished the work and he fulfilled these prophecies on the cross okay and so these riders are coming forth and fulfilled in the cross, but also ultimately in the future there will be a fulfillment to these riders. And it is God that is calling them forward. He's calling these riders, and I believe that there are angelic riders. I believe that these are the angels of God. Okay? I don't believe that what you have here is God calling for demons. I believe what you have here is God calling forth judgment. And these angel riders are riding forth, and as they ride forth, a particular judgment that's associated with these riders uh, fall upon the earth, okay? Are you with me in understanding so far? So it's God that's bringing forth these judgments. And these creatures that we talked about that have the face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of a man, the face of an eagle, represent some characteristics of God himself. They also speak to us of his people. So there's a lot in this, all right, uh, as far as what's going on here. But in, in chapter 39 of Job, let's talk about this eagle that is calling forth this rider on this yellow-green horse. And see if we can get an understanding in the, in the Bible as to what this eagle represents. Okay, in verse 27 of chapter 39. It says, Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? So number one, the eagle <clears throat> obeys the commandment of the Lord. And they mount up on high. Now number one, the eagle speaks of God. It speaks of his deity. 
So you talk about the eagle, you're talking about God. But then also you're talking about his people. Okay? God and his people. So his people are often likened unto eagles. And so it talks about this eagles that they mount up at thy command. And these are the people of God who obey the Lord and they operate in a high realm. They operate from a heavenly realm. And from a heavenly realm, they influence the earth realm. Okay? <clears throat> now, the Bible goes on and it says that they mount up at thy command and make her nest on high. She dwelleth and abideth on the rock. And again, yeah, we know the eagle mounts up in the high places at God's command and, and they sit there uh, abiding upon the rock there. But the rock we're talking about here is not just a natural rock. It symbolizes something in the Word of God. The rock that we're talking about is the rock, Christ Jesus. So these people are the ones who mount up on high at His command and they are upon the rock. They're upon Christ. They're on the rock, Christ Jesus. All right? The Bible says, and upon the crag of the rock, the crag of the rock, and the strong place. So it speaks of a people who are working from a place of highness. They're working from the heavenly realm. They're positioned on Christ. And these people are a strong people because they're an eagle people, all right? From thence she seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. So these people who are in the high places, the heavenly realms upon Christ, who are very strong in God. They are eagle saints. The Bible says that from there she seeketh her prey. Now what does the eagle feed upon? The eagle feeds upon serpents. The eagle is a flesh-eating bird. Okay? And so these people are a people who are heavenly minded and they walk in the commandments of God and they reign from a place of, of a heavenly realm and they influence the earth and they feed upon the flesh. Now what are the, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the fallen carnal nature that's in man. And so the eagle people are always after the flesh. They're always trying to devour the carnal nature, destroy the carnal nature. And it is these people who are invited to the great supper of God Almighty. They are the only ones who are invited to the great supper of God Almighty. And we'll see that as we get there. And they feed upon the flesh of captains and mighty men and kings. And in the future, that's going to be a reality, all right, in, an, in a literal sense. But right now, these people are a spiritual people who are feeding upon the, the kings of carnality. Like malice, like anger, like hatred, etc. The Bible talks about 18 kings of the flesh that's inside of us. And so these people are the people of God mounted in the high place. They rule from a heavenly realm. And they are strong in God. They're upon God. And they feed upon the flesh from that place of highness. Hallelujah. They don't give themselves to the carnality of the kings of the flesh. But they walk in the spirit and they feed on the flesh. The kings and captains and mighty men, etc. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? Okay. And so these people speak of a people who are a people of judgment. 
they bring forth judgment into the earth realm from a high place. Okay, you understand what I'm showing you here? And so the Bible says, now look at it. The Bible says her eyes behold afar off. She's got vision. She's not like a chicken. Okay? Most people live in the earth realm. They're like chickens on a farm. Okay? They go around and they peck the ground. And they feed off of the ground. That's where their focus is, is the earth realm. Not in the high place, the heavenly place, from a position of judgment and feeding on flesh. They're like chickens who are focused on the earth realm and go around picking up what they can in the earth realm. That's their whole focus. And they never see beyond the barnyard. They don't have the ability to get their eyes off of just the natural world. They just feed off of the natural world. And they live in a confined situation. All they see is their local situation. They don't have a vision. A chicken don't see very far. But an eagle, man, he can sit up on the, on the wing of an airplane over 30,000 feet up in the air. And see a rabbit running down the path on the earth. An eagle has great vision. It has, it's far-sighted. It can see a long way. It, it has vision. It walks in, in the things of God and understands God and seeks for the things of God. Sits in the high place and feeds on the flesh of carnality. And doesn't just focus on the earth realm. See, and we're all by human nature in some sense like chickens. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's sometimes I'm, I, I act more like a chicken than I do a, 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 an eagle. Okay? Because I'm so focused on this present world and the circumstances of this present world. I'm so worried about making a living and getting through life and, and coping, if you will, with the things I'm trying to deal with in life. So I act like a chicken, but God wants you to know that you don't have to stay in the realm of the earth. You don't have to stay as a chicken nearsighted. Only seeing a limited confinement. But you can be an eagle that operates from a high place. Who's on Christ Jesus. And who feeds on the flesh and carnality of this earth. And the people who have the ability to see far. See things in God and walk with God. I'd rather be an eagle than a chicken any day. And although I got a little chicken in me, hallelujah, I pray to God I got more eagle on the inside of me than I do chicken. Because a chicken doesn't accomplish much. It's not very strong, you know. And it, oh, yeah. But the eagle is totally different, man. It, it executes judgment in the earth. It executes the things of God in this, this earth. It influences humanity. It influences its world where a chicken really don't. He, it, the world influences the chicken. I said the world influences the chicken instead of the chicken influencing the world. But the mighty ego is a serpent killer. The mighty ego feeds on serpents, demons, and it feeds on flesh, and it's powerful and it's strong. Because standing on the rock, Christ Jesus, and he's in a high place in the heavenly realm. 
and influences the earth that way. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? So it executes judgment. And it's only those people who are ever invited to the supper of the great God. And not chicken people. Chicken people don't get invited to the great supper of God. It's eagle people that get invited to the great supper of God. How many eagles I got out there? So to be an eagle means you got the nature of God in you because God is an eagle. That's why this eagle calls forth judgment to come. And it's coming from the throne. It's depicting an aspect of Christ. Are you here today? We saw him seen as the lion. Depicting people who worship. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But it depicts the people who are kings and priests who are worshipers. We saw him as an ox. The sacrifice. The servant. The enduring. A creature that endures and has patience. Okay. And so that's Christ. He was our sacrifice. The servant of the Lord. But there's a people in the earth. Who are servants of the Lord. Who have the ox nature in them. We saw the nature of the man is, the, is God coming in flesh. Right? And there's a people here today who God resides inside of. So, in a sense, we are manifesting God. We are His body today. But now we're talking about the eagle. The nature of God inside of us is an eagle. And we are people of judgment and people of high and loftiness. And people who feed on the kings of the flesh. And Are you with me here today? And people who are strong in God and in the power of His might. These people are not weak. These people are not defeated. These people are mighty conquerors. These, these, these people fly. They mount up with wings as an eagle. Man, they fly. They get in the midst of a storm. And all they do is lift their wings up. And that, that storm lifts them higher. It doesn't bring them down. It just lifts them higher. And Isaiah 40 talks about they shall renew their strength as the eagle. They're like eagles. They get up on that, that, hallelujah, that rock. And sometimes those eagles, they go through a, a molting season. You ever seen an eagle go through a molting season? Ever read about an eagle going through a molting season? Old eagle gets up there and all of a sudden, man, his feathers start falling out of his body. In fact, they don't just fall out of his body. He pulls them out. And if you look at him, you think, man, that eagle, he's about to die. It's about over for him. Look at him. He's all bloody where he's pulled his feathers out of his body. Are you here? Yeah. They shall man up with wings as the eagle. They shall renew their strength as an eagle. And what that old eagle does after pulling his feathers out of his body, he looks all bloody. But in the process of pulling those feathers out of his body and looking bloody and looking defeated, all of a sudden he renews his strength. And that old eagle that doesn't have much feathers, all of a sudden in the place of those old feathers, his feathers, little feathers begin to pop out of his body. And after a while, pretty soon, that eagle that's pulled his feathers out has now renewed his strength as an eagle and is mounted up. And if you look at him, he doesn't look like the old eagle. Hallelujah. He looks like a brand new eagle. So these people have the ability to experience suffering and all kinds of bloody situations, but they rise above it. I don't know what you're going through today, but I got some good news for you. I've got some hope for you. 
I don't know what you're going through. Your, your wings might have been plucked. Your feathers might have been plucked out of your body. And you may have blood all over you. But I got some good news for you today. You can renew your strength as an eagle. And what that literally means is this. That you will exchange, exchange your feathers for God's feathers. You'll exchange your strength for His strength. So don't be weary in well-doing. And don't give up when you're bloody and all kinds of stuff. It feels like you're about to die. I've got some news for you because you're a mighty eagle. Sitting upon a rock in a high place. You put on some new feathers and they're, the, they're God's feathers. And then you can fly into the high places. Give God some praise. And go forth in renewed strength. And everybody looked at you and thought you were about to die. And thought you weren't going to make it through your problem. But look at you now. Because God has come into your life. And because God has renewed your strength, you're flying higher than you've ever flown before. And what could have and what should have destroyed you and killed you. By God's strength and by God's power, you've overcome that. And you're flying higher than you've ever been. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you've experienced. But I've got some good news for you. Your better days are ahead of you, not behind you. If my better days were behind me, God, why don't you just kill me and put me in the grave? Because God renews your strength as the eagle. Which means your your best days are not behind you. Your best days are in front of you. If you get in God, if you get in that high place, if you stand upon the rock, you shall be strong and renew your strength. And oftentimes what God will do is he'll come and he'll bring us a situation in your life and he'll judge certain things in your life to bring you to a place where you have got to rely upon him you have nowhere to look but up you can't look down anymore you've got to get your head up you got to look to the savior you've got to somehow you got to say i can't do it anymore i can't be like the chicken anymore i've got to lift my head up i got to get my eyes on god i got to see something that's higher than i am i got to have somebody raise me up to a place of loftiness and so sometimes your pain and your suffering can cause you to mount up with the wings as an eagle and sit in the high places of God. So I've got some good news for all of us because all of us go through things at times. But we're like eagles. And pretty soon what we went through, God will say, you know what? I've judged that in your life. I've taken care of that in your life. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Hosea 8. Let's go to Hosea 8. Hosea 8. And I think we have a perfect example of this in Jesus because Jesus is an eagle. Depicted, he's the one sitting on the throne, and those creatures around the throne and in the throne depict Christ and also us. And I think we have a, a perfect example, amen, of this in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ because he was eagle killed. He hung upon the cross, and God slew him on the cross. But he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, the eagle killed eagle. God killed man, Christ Jesus, who died for your sin. He rose in great power and great glory. 
Do you understand what I'm telling you here? He experienced the judgment of God upon the cross for us. And that's what the eagle speaks of. Let's go to Hosea 8 verse 1. Here's what he says. Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle. God's going to come as an eagle against the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. So what we see here is that God is seen coming in judgment. All right. So the eagle speaks of judgment. So y'all with me up to this point. Okay, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> These people then are like Christ. They have the ability to bring forth judgment in the earth and judgment in their situations. They are able to discern things, see things, understand things, and bring conviction upon the earth. And it is those people who are invited to the supper of God. Go with me to Revelation 19. Is this helping anybody today? All right, Revelation 19, we see the Lord coming. All right, verse 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. These are the high soaring fowls. Uh, they're the, they, to me, they're the eagles, and I, I could prove this by the, the, the Olivet Discord in Matthew 24. Because it talks about where the carcass is, there shall the eagles be gathered together. You understand? And I say all of it discourse, Matthew 24. I'm talking about when Jesus gave prophecies, which Revelation just spells out for us in greater detail. So I believe that these eagles that are gathered to the carcass here, the carcass is the flesh, are the saints of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in a literal sense, yes, there will be literal fowl that, that fly there to the battle of Armageddon and defile or devour those that have died there. But in verse 17 it says, He saw angels stand in the sun and cry with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. So these people, the fowl, people that fly in the heavens, are the only ones that are invited to the supper of God. You understand? Now what are you going to be eating? What are these eagles going to be eating? It says that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh, say flesh, of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that set on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. So yes, there's going to be a natural gathering of birds upon the carcasses of those people who are killed in the battle of Armageddon. But what I'm trying to show you, the Word of God has many levels and layers of interpretation so that these birds are also people of God who are feeding upon the flesh of the carnal nature. Do you understand that? Now, and bringing a judgment upon it. And then the Bible says this in verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet, that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive in a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now, I believe this is going to be a literal experience, a little happening at the end of the tribulation period. 
But I want you to know in the spiritual sense, I don't believe that this is picturing the saints of God having a barbecue. I don't believe God's, the, the supper of the great God is calling us and, and there's literal captains and literal kings and we're just going to, you know, they're going to be slain and killed and we're all going to gather at a barbecue pit and we're going to barbecue them and eat them literally. Do you understand that? I believe this is spiritual too. Hallelujah. Now, and, and I know maybe the spiritual is not all that important to you and you want to know about what's going to happen in the future, but I'm excited right now to be walking in these things. And the reason why these fowls are involved is because they bring forth judgment. And every time you see the eagle come forth, it's bringing judgment. Whether it's the fourth day of Jesus hanging on the cross, the fourth day of the week, which is a Wednesday when he died. Paralleling the fourth seal. It's still, come on, are you with me here today? It's still judgment that you're seeing here. Hallelujah. So Jesus died on the fourth day of the week. He died on a Wednesday. He didn't die on a Friday. And I can prove that by the word of God. And the fourth seal pictures his death on the cross. Amen. But it also is working out within a people, within an ego people who are feeding on the, the carnal natures and the flesh and are invited to the supper of the great God Almighty. Amen. And when you see an ego come forth, whether it be a literal ultimate fulfillment in the future or now, he always comes forth bringing judgment. Amen? Let's go to Revelation 12. <clears throat> Revelation 12. The Bible talks about this woman, clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, got a crown of 12 stars upon her head. She's with a man-child. All right? She's pregnant with a man-child. Speaks of Israel, number one. Speaks of the church, number two. In the literal sense, this is, this is Israel in the middle of the tribulation period. In the, the fourth time, fourth year, or the fourth seal. You see what I'm saying here? The middle time. Okay? And uh, what's going to happen to her? Notice the Bible says this, that this woman, uh, <clears throat> verse 5, She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Twelve hundred and sixty days or three and a half years. She goes into the wilderness, and in the wilderness is where you get rid of the flesh. In the wilderness is where you feed upon the flesh. That they should feed her there a thousand two hundred threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not. Alright. You with me here? Neither was there place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. Which deceived the whole world. He was cast out in the earth. His angels were cast out with him. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Now has come salvation. Hallelujah. See this judgment is going to bring salvation. And strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. And that's in the middle of the tribulation period. Which accused them before our God day and night. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens. And ye that dwell in them. In that where? In the heavens. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. 
and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Two wings as the wing of a great eagle. Now, does that mean that she literally, there's a literal woman here with literal wings? No, it's all symbolism. And what we see here is a woman who's Israel number one, literally in the future, but the church now. Who's given the wings of a great eagle who has the ability to feed upon the flesh. And because she can feed upon the flesh. Amen. She has the ability to defeat the flood of the enemy. It's only the eagle saints that have the ability to defeat the devil. It's only the eagle saints that have the ability to defeat the serpent. It's only the eagle saints that have the ability to devour the flesh and feed upon the flesh and be invited to the, 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 the supper of the great God. It's only those people who conquer the devil. And so there is going to be a people in the future that are going to have the ability to know how to defeat the devil and the flesh. They are eagle people. They are a church with eagle's wings. Now what happens, the Bible says in verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, her mouth swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. And so what happens is because she's got these wings as an eagle, then when the flood of the Antichrist, or the flood of the devil comes against her, then the earth just opens up and swallows it. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So these people are a spiritual people who have the ability and the know-how to conquer the enemy. And it's based on the blood of Jesus on the cross. And they feed upon the carnal nature. And they judge the carnal nature. And they defeat the dragon and all of his propaganda and all of his attack against them. They are ego people. They are people of the spirit. Hallelujah. They have the ability to bring forth judgment on the flesh and on the serpent. Now let's go to Revelation 14. We'll see another example of an eagle. Remember, the eagle is the one that's calling forth this horse to come forth and bring forth judgment. Revelation 14, the Bible says this. In verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. Notice where, all, where they are. They're in the heavenly realm. They're, they're staying in the heavenly realm. They're not letting the earth realm drag them down. So the seagull's flying in the midst of heaven. Now, your Bible says in verse 6, an angel. But some translations translated eagle. Isn't that interesting? I saw another eagle fly in the midst of heaven. So these are eagles that are flying forth. Hallelujah. Angels. Having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. 
and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So these, this is a people who preach the finished work. They preach the gospel. They preach the message of God's kingdom. Ooh, man. I'm getting excited now. See, I, I have to wait for God to, you know, come in there and, and turn me on a little bit. Hallelujah. But I'm starting to get a little excited because I'm starting to feel a little bit of liberty in the Holy Ghost, you know. The first spirit you ever feel is the, is the man's spirit. Okay? Whether you realize it or not, you're talking to me right now. And I'm not talking about with your mouth. I'm talking about with your spirit. Because the first thing you come in contact with is the human spirit. So whether we realize it or not, we're always talking to each other. Even when our mouths are closed. Okay? So the first thing that you experience from me is my spirit. The next thing is, you know, I'm experiencing yours too. And I'm talking about in the spirit. But after a while, pretty soon, God's spirit starts flowing in my spirit. And that, that my spirit becomes one with his spirit. And then something begins to take place. And then you have a God encounter, not just a man encounter. The second spirit you encounter is God's spirit. Don't ever forget that. That's why sometimes I'll be up here preaching and I can sense things. And you're not saying a word. But you are. You can't keep from saying. Your spirit's talking to me right now. My spirit's talking to you. It goes out of, I know it freaks you out, but it's a reality. But after a while, we get connected. Okay? Your spirit and my spirit get connected, and God begins to flow through my spirit. And as he begins to flow through my spirit, then he impacts your spirit. And if I'm an ego man, if I'm walking in the spirit, then I have the ability to touch your carnality. I have the ability to feed on your flesh. I have the ability to flee on that demon that sits beside you in your pew. And what hopefully happens after a while, pretty soon you get full of God. You get full of that eagle nature and you feed on that devil that's beside you. And you feed on that flesh that you're having a problem with and a struggle with. You want to live for God, but you're having a struggle with your flesh. But God's Spirit's here to raise up inside of you to conquer that flesh. And the serpent that wants to take you down. And so that's why God sends forth this eagle in the midst of the heavens. And he's declaring the kingdom. And the power. And the finished work of the cross. Watch this. Ooh, yes. Verse 6, and I saw an eagle fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. Good news, man. To preach unto them that dwell on the earth. And to every nation, kindred, and tongue. Isn't this awesome? Verse 7, now what's this eagle doing? He's warning. Saying with a loud voice, fear God. And give glory to Him. For the hour of his judgment is come. So the eagle is declaring the gospel. But at the same time he's declaring the judgment of God upon the flesh. And upon the serpents. Isn't this awesome? Give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth. And the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, 
Because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Are you here today? And the third eagle followed them. Saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image. Now keep this all in mind because we're going somewhere with this. If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be torn in with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So this eagle that flies here is warning people against taking the mark of the beast. He's warning them against worshiping the beast. They should be worshiping God and walking in victory over the beast. You understand what I'm trying to show you here? So again, this eagle is depicting judgment. All right. Revelation 12, we have that. Revelation 14, we have that. In Revelation 19, we have the fowls of the air feeding on the captains, etc., etc. So again, the eagle, Hosea 8, speaks of the judgment of God. All right, y'all still with me here? Let's go over here and let's talk about an ultimate sense, though. All right? Give you a little bit to chew on as far as spiritual things. Aren't you glad for the Spirit? In Revelation 6, then, in this eagle, let's go back over there so you'll know where I am. verse 7 when he opened the fourth seal I heard the voice of the fourth beast 4-7 says the fourth beast is the eagle and the eagle says come and see I looked and behold a pale horse yellow green horse his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword with hunger with death and with the beast of the earth. This is the middle of the tribulation period. Let me take you through the word of God here. And let's look at some things here. So we can determine in the future. The ultimate fulfillment of this passage. Okay let's go to the book of Daniel. <clears throat> Aren't you glad that you are an eagle people today? Amen. And I don't want you to get the impression this morning. That what I just told you about you is not important to the future. Because I believe Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, where the Lord is talking to the seven churches there, where He calls them to overcome. And He gives them certain promises of concerning the kingdom of God. I believe in chapter 2 and chapter 3, He is warning the church that's there. In fact, I went through here and then looked, there's something like 20 different verses in Revelation 2 and 3 that warned the church in the tribulation period. I do not believe that God is going to pre-rapture the church before the tribulation period. I do believe that God is going to rapture the church before the day of the Lord. Or the time of His severe wrath at the end of the tribulation period. But I do not believe God has promised us that He's going to rapture us before the seven years. And in fact, if you read Revelation 2 and 3, you're going to see... Close to 20 different times where God is talking to the church, warning them about the tribulation that they find themselves in. And so for us, we have to be an ego people who have the ability to walk in the spirit. And understand what Christ has done in us so that we can conquer the enemy that will try to destroy us in the time of the tribulation period. If we see that time. 
You have got to be an overcomer. You've got to overcome the flesh. You've got to overcome spirits. You've got to conquer. And if you do, then God says, I will give you the kingdom. And so this is very important for us to be eagle people. Now, I believe that there's a woman who is going to be given the wings of an eagle, which means she's going to have an understanding of how to get the victory in those times. Okay? Woo, yeah. They overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and love not their lives unto the death. But there's going to be a people who know how to live in that time and how to conquer and how to overcome and how to persevere and how to endure the time of persecution that's going to come. And it's not the wrath of God. But it's the persecution. Do you understand that? It's very important for you to understand that. God has never promised His church that He would keep you from a persecution. Look at church history and all the people who died for Him. Who were slain for Him. That wasn't the wrath of God. That was the persecution of this world against God's church. And the persecution of Satan against the church. So we've got to learn and know how to operate and how to be people of the Spirit when these things start taking place. Okay? But let's go over here and let's look at this fourth seal. It's paralleling the fourth year of the tribulation period. Or the beginning of the fourth year. In, in Daniel chapter 9. Let's go there. Let's see what's going to happen. What kind of events are we doing? <clears throat> doing okay? Y'all getting anything out of this this morning? See, I'm limited in my time. I got, you know, I got about three hours, four hours worth of teaching. And I can only do in about an hour and a half. So I'm limited, so i got to condense it, okay? And I'm, not, I'm still trying to give you enough. I'm not trying to hurry. But in Daniel chapter 9, let's look at some things. Daniel 9 verse 27. We find out what's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation period. Okay? It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. This is what is known as Daniel's 70th week. That's what we're talking about right now. When we say the tribulation period, we're talking about that future seven years that's going to come upon the earth that, that Revelation is talking about with these seals. When the first seal opens up, that's the first year of the tribulation. Second seal opens, that's the second year, third, third year, fourth, fourth year. Okay. Okay, so anyway, it says this, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. This is the Antichrist. And in, now it doesn't say he's going to sign the covenant. He said he's going to confirm the covenant. There's already a covenant in place that he's going to uh, confirm. It's a covenant that's already been signed. And so he comes and he confirms the covenant with many for one week. This is what begins the tribulation period. This is the rider on the white horse as far as the Antichrist is concerned. Uh, going forth. And in the middle of the week... In the midst of the week, which is where we are right now in this fourth seal. In the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Okay, so he's going to put an end to the sacrifice. Got it? Jesus, when he died on the cross in, on Wednesday, the fourth day of the week, he put an end to the Old Testament sacrifice. See, there's many fulfillments to this. It's more than one fulfillment to this. Okay? And in the future three and a half years, then we have the sacrifice and oblation cease. Uh, the Bible says the Antichrist is going to cause it to stop, to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, 
abominations, he shall make it desolate. So there's the abomination of desolation. And it's happening in, in the middle of the week. You with me here? Okay. Even until the consummation, that would be three and a half years later at the end of the tribulation period. When you talk about the consummation, you're talking about the end of the tribulation period. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Are you with me here? Okay. Now go back. To, keep your place in Daniel and go back to Matthew 24. I'm going to try to keep this simple. <clears throat> Matthew 24. He gives a, a list of the various judgments that are going to take place. Antichrist. War. Famine. Then he talks about the abomination that maketh desolate. In verse 15 of chapter 21. When you therefore shall see the... And this is Jesus speaking. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. When is that going to happen? In the middle of the week. When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. The eastern part of Jerusalem is going to be attacked. Up to this point, the armies of Antichrist have gathered around Israel. But now in the fourth seal, they have the ability to exercise the sword. They have the ability to attack Judea, which is the eastern side of, Jer of uh, Israel. And they will flow into the holy place, the city of Jerusalem. The Antichrist will conquer that part, the Judean part of, of Jerusalem, of Israel. He'll flow into the city of Jerusalem. He'll walk into the temple, the holy place, and set up the image of the beast. And also set himself up to be God, committing the abomination of desolation in the middle of the week. So the Lord says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, and the, Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. He said, flee to the mountains. He says, flee out of where? Judea. Flee out of the eastern side of Israel because the Antichrist armies are coming in from that direction and conquering that part of Israel. And so when he gets through with conquering that part, he will then go into the temple and show himself to be God. And that's why God says to those who believe, he says, flee to the mountains. Be the woman, Revelation 12, in the middle of the week. Remember the time frame that was given there? 1260 days be that woman that will flee to the wilderness you got my point so far that's what's going to happen in the middle of the week all right then he goes on and he says then let them be which in judea flee to the mountain let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days I pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation. So at the middle point of the tribulation period, this is when it becomes the great tribulation period. And it's when the Antichrist goes into the temple and commits the abomination which maketh desolate. He makes himself to be God. That's when Jesus said for the people in Judea to flee to the mountains. Okay, you with me up to this point? Do you understand what we're showing you? And this is an association with the seal in Revelation 6. Now go to Daniel 11. Daniel chapter 11. Okay, if I just teach you this morning. 
Daniel chapter 11. The Bible talks about. Let me get the verse here. 30, 31, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Daniel 31. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. There it is again. The abomination that maketh desolate. All right? Go to chapter 12. The abomination of desolation there is what brings you to the middle of the tribulation period. That's when the Antichrist goes in the temple. That's when Jesus said for Israel to flee to the mountains. For then shall be great tribulation. Daniel 12 verse 1. And at that time. When? When the abomination of desolation. Spoken of in Daniel eleven thirty one, At that time shall Michael stand up. Shall Michael stand up. Now, hold your place there and go to Daniel 10 in verse 1, uh, verse 21. But I, sh- I w- will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. He's the one who holds. Literally, he's the one who restrains. You got me? He's the one that restrains or holds back what? The demonic powers that are coming against the nation of Israel. Now in Daniel 12, 1, and at that time shall Michael stand up. The great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time, and at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. This is the middle point of the tribulation period, when the abomination of desolation has been set up by Antichrist. Michael, who has been holding back or restraining the revelation or the revealing of Antichrist, is now going to no longer hold Daniel 10, 21, He's now going to stand up, Daniel 12, 1. Rashi, a Jewish commentary, says, Rashi, one of the great Jewish scholars, says this about the word stand up. He says it literally means to stop or to cease. What he says is going to happen is he is going to be still. He's going to stop what he's doing. He's going to stop. Holding back the demonic. It is Michael who is the restrainer of Antichrist. And in the middle of the tribulation period, when the abomination that maketh this is set up, and Jesus warned Israel to flee to the mountains and out of Judea, it is at that time that Michael, up to that point, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, he's been holding back the demonic powers. He's been holding back the revelation of Antichrist. Daniel 10, 21. Now, Daniel 12, 1. He says, now it's a time of trouble, of distress, like you've never seen before. Just what Jesus said about the great tribulation period, the last three and a half years. And at that time, Michael is going to stop doing what he normally does, and that's hold back the demonic. So it is Michael who's the restrainer. 
that keeps the Antichrist from being revealed. It's not the church. Michael is the one that's going to stop holding or restraining. Now, I don't know if you know, uh, some of you know a whole lot about prophecy. Some of you do, some of you don't. But let's go to 2 Thessalonians and let's talk about this. And then I'll come back to Daniel 12. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Are you okay out there? <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> now you remember Daniel 12. 1, it tells us that... The, that <clears throat> Michael is going to, in the literal, and I can prove this by the words too, because I've got these words I've, on, off my computer to prove what I'm telling you. I can give you the Strong's numbers if you want them that prove what I'm saying. It's not just Rashi. This is Bible, okay? That, that <clears throat> Michael is going to stop doing what he normally would do, and that's hold back the, the demonic. I got, I got proof of that, biblical proof. Okay, you with me here? And it tells us that he's going to stop what he's doing or stand up or stand still. And then there's going to be a time of great distress. And then number three, he says there's going to be the rescue of the people of God. You got it? Okay. 2 Thessalonians 2 then. Verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is his second coming to the earth. Not his coming for the... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me just stop there. It's his second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation period or at the end of the three-and-a-half-year great tribulation. Does that make sense? Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. That the day of the Lord is at hand. You got me here? And Okay. It's translated in King James, King, day of Christ, but it's the day of the Lord. Verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day. What day? The day of the Lord. And what... It, in connection with the day of the Lord, that's when we're gathered together unto Him. Now, he says, That day shall not come except there come a falling away first, an apostasy from the faith. People are going to fall away from God. If you remember Jesus in connection with the fourth day of His crucifixion, all of His disciples denied Him. All of them forsook Him. It's a type of the church, the people of God who claim to follow him, who will deny him in days to come. Judas Iscariot particularly denied him and rejected him. And in the days to come, there's going to be mass Judas Iscariot who are going to depart from Christ because they find themselves in such a horrible time of tribulation. That's why Revelation 2 and 3, the Lord warns and encourages the people of God in the context of the tribulation to overcome. Because there's going to be people like Judas Iscariot connected with Jesus' fourth day crucifixion that are going to depart from him in this time in the middle of the tribulation period. Okay? <clears throat> so he tells us before the day of the Lord comes, there's going to be a falling away first, an apostasy. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So he said there's going to be an apostasy. And he said the man of sin is going to be revealed before the day of the Lord comes. 
And the Antichrist is revealed in the seven year tribulation period. So that can't be the day of the Lord because the day of the Lord follows his revelation. The Bible says this. That man is sent to be revealed. Say revealed. The son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Or that is worshipped. So that he as God. Sitteth in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. There's the abomination of desolation. That brings you to the middle of the tribulation period. Right there. Okay. Remember you not that when I was yet with you. I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth or restrains. Go back to 1021 of Daniel. What does 1021 of Daniel say? But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth. Same word. Michael is the only one in scripture that is ever said to be holding back or restraining. Watch this. Okay. So he says. And now you know what withholdeth or what holds back. That he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. Until he be taken out of the way. And the word taken there is the same word. That is used in Daniel 12. When it says that Michael is going to stand up or Michael will arise or Michael will be still it's the same word friend means the same thing means he's gonna he's gonna cease to doing what he normally did he's gonna be taken out of the way he's gonna stop what he normally has done in its connection with the abomination of desolation, or its connection with the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation period, sitting in the temple of God. You got that? So who's going to be taken out of the way? Well, the scripture says it's Michael, Daniel 12, 1. The Bible says, And then shall that wicked be revealed. There's the revelation of Antichrist. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The Antichrist is going to be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. Go to verse 1. Chapter 2. Now we, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by our gathering together unto him. When do we gather to him? At his coming. At his parousia. In verse 8 it says, And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his parousia. His coming. So we are gathered to him at the same time he destroys the Antichrist. And he destroys the Antichrist three and a half years after the abomination of desolation is set up. We're not gathered out at the first of the seven years. And then he comes back and kills the Antichrist. We are gathered out at the same time. He destroys the Antichrist. The same word is used, parousia. It's not a different coming. It's the same coming. And you've got enough sense. I know you've got enough sense to understand that if his parousia to gather us 
is the same as his parousia to kill the Antichrist. It happens at the same time. I think you've got enough sense to understand that. And so Revelation 2 and 3, the Lord has been warning the churches to overcome in that time of the tribulation period. And as we go through this, I'm going to prove it to you more and more. Okay, so when, <clears throat> when the restrainer is taken out of the way, then the wicked one is going to be revealed, and then the Bible talks about his destruction at the consummation or at the coming of the Lord. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They apostatized. When they found themselves in the tribulation period, they're just like the unfaithful steward in, Ma in the latter part of Matthew 24. That says, my Lord delays his coming. And he goes out and begins to smite fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunken. They depart from God because they thought the Lord's coming was pre-trib. And he says, my Lord has delayed his coming. No, you just misunderstood the Bible. It was not pre-trib when he was coming for you. He's coming post-trib for you. And now you found your yourself in a time of great persecution and great suffering. And God has called you to endurance and perseverance. And because you didn't, because you didn't take the time to love the truth and find out what the Bible said, you will not overcome. You did not overcome. You started saying, my Lord delays his coming. No, he didn't delay his coming. You just had false, false teaching under your belt. That promised you, you would go out seven years before, the tri before uh, he comes the second time. Okay, y'all with me here? How much time I got, sister? I got 15 minutes left. Woo! I had 15 minutes a while ago. I still got 15 minutes. We must be in the spirit. I got 10 minutes. Okay. Back down to time. Back in time. Hallelujah. Okay, so you see what's happening in the middle point then, don't you? You see the abomination of desolation set up. You see the Lord telling them that's when the great tribulation period starts. You see him warning people to get out of town because there's going to be great tribulation. We see Michael uh, stop holding back, stop restraining, which allows the Antichrist to reveal, which allows, himself to, uh, which allows him to set up in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God, and to bring great persecution on the church. Judea okay are y'all with me up to this point <clears throat> yes I want to love the truth don't you let's go back to Daniel 12 then <clears throat> in the middle of the week then the Michael stops holding back the demonic and the Bible says it shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Amen. Thank God for that. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This takes you all the way to the resurrection at his second coming. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They are a heavenly people who rule from a heavenly realm. They're like eagles. They're like the stars. They're like the constellations in the heavens. The constellations teach us of Christ and His church. Yes. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn men into righteousness, the stars, the stars forever and ever. But thou, Daniel, shut up the words 
and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. You got that? Mm-hmm. Verse 6, And one said to the man clothed in linen was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the rivers which held up his right hand and his left hand in heaven. Remember that Revelation 10 angel? Doing the same thing. And swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for what? A time, times, and a half. Time is one year. Times is two year. And a half is a half a year. Three and a half years. Just exactly what Daniel said in 927 when the abomination of desolation is set up is in the middle of the week. When, when Michael stops restraining, he said from that time that Michael stops restraining is going to be a time, times, and a half time. Three and a half years. That's the great tribulation. That's how we know we're in the latter part of it. Isn't this good? Okay. He says, And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said, I, I, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Well, now we see when the time of the end is coming, we see the unsealing of the book in these seals of Revelation 6. Amen. Many shall be purified, made white, and tried, tested. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. They're eagles. They have an understanding. They have the ability. They have the knowledge to conquer and to overcome in the time of tribulation. In the time of the great tribulation, in fact. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. Here we go. That's in connection with the abomination of desolation. And the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now it's not just a time, times and a half a time, 1,260 days or three and a half years. Now it takes us to 1,290 days. So now God adds 30 more days to it. This is good. And then the Bible goes on and it says this, okay. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred hundred and five and thirty days. Thirteen thirty-five. I thought it was three and a half years. I thought it was twelve hundred and sixty days. Now we've got twelve hundred and ninety days. We got thirty more days added to it. And now it's thirteen hundred and thirty-five days. We got forty more days added to that for a total of seventy-five more days added to that twelve hundred and sixty days. What I'm trying to show you is this. 1260 uh, days brings you to the end of the tribulation period but there are 75 days beyond that that there's all kinds of events taking place judgments taking place raptures taking place catching of the church is taken away the uh, catching of the church is taking place the destruction of the antichrist is taking place the battle of Armageddon is fought the, the throne of his judgment is set up a lot of things happen in that 75 day period beyond the 7 year tribulation period Okay. <clears throat> and he said, But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. You're coming out too, Daniel. 
You're coming out too when that seventh trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds and it's Perusia. You're coming out too, Daniel. And so a marking point is the abomination of desolation. They take it away of the sacrifice. When Michael stops restraining, that's the marker point right there. And takes you all the way to the end of the tribulation period. And even into the day of the Lord. Those 75 days bring you into the day of the Lord. Where his bowls of wrath are poured out on the world as a whole. Isn't this good? All right, let's go to the Bible in Revelation chapter 11. Let's show you something else that is in connection with the three and a half years. Middle point, middle point, middle point. Hmm. If you come back tonight, I'm going to try, if it's the will of God, to preach you the Havile uh, Mashiach, Havile, Havile Mashiach, which is the birth pains of Messiah. And I'm going to show you how he comes as a mighty eagle before he comes in a day of Lord demonstration. You'll come back tonight, okay? I don't have time to give it to you right now. I have to wait on God, though, to see if that's what he wants me to do. Revelation chapter 11. Let's talk about the middle point. Verse 1, chapter 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. The angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship him. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Here's the Antichrist coming in. That Judean side, that eastern side. God told him to flee out of there. Now we see the Antichrist coming in. And it's given into their hand for 42 months. Another three and a half year. I mean that three and a half year time frame. 42 months is three and a half years. 1260 days. A time, times and a half time. All the same thing. Okay. Now watch. Hmm. And he shall give power unto my two witnesses. This is when the two witnesses begin to torment those nations that have gathered against Israel. Remember in the fourth day, in connection with the fourth day of Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples, he said, go buy a sword. Revelation 6, we see the rider come forth, destroying with a sword. And he, so Jesus said, go buy a sword. They said, we got two. He said, Jesus said, it's enough. I tell you what the, this, the two swords are. They're the two witnesses standing up right there. It is enough. I've got my two swords. I've got my two witnesses. In fact, when Jesus was going to be taken, taken to be crucified, Peter took a sword out and cut off the ear of the high priest, and the Lord healed it, just like the deadly wound of the Antichrist will be healed in the middle of the tribulation period. See, it's already been fulfilled in the past. Now it'll be fulfilled in the future. It's connected with a sword. So here they come in for three and a half years. They've got power to tread upon the holy city. That's Jerusalem. And it's in uh, connection with the, the temple of God. In verse 3, And I will give power to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy 1,203 score days. There we go. 1,260 days. Three and a half years. 42 months. Time. Times and a half. Time. It's all the same. Okay? This is when Antichrist is moving in there into the temple. And these two witnesses are tormenting the fire out of them. I mean, I mean tormenting the living devil out of them. They torment. They stand up and they preach the gospel, the word of the living God. And they torment. Let me just put it this way. They torment the hell out of them, man. <laughs> they don't like these two witnesses. They can't stand them. I love it, man. 
he said, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. For if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouths and devoured their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So not only do we have the Antichrist doing his thing, we've got God who's got two witnesses that are tormenting the living fire out of these people, man. Tormenting those demons, man. See, by the word is going to torment the flesh, man. And it's going to pay by the people People believe one flesh. It's going to be the righteous judge the flesh. They judge the demonic. So they're hated by the unbelievers, but loved by the believer. Woe to you when all manner of men speak well of you. If people only say good things about you, you're not walking where you need to be. And I'm talking about the people in the world. I want the church to say good things about me. I want the people of God to love me. And I want, you know, the people of God to love, you know, y'all to love each other. But if the world loves you, you're not walking where you're supposed to walk. You're not an eagle, but you're down there in the chicken coop. Feeding with them, living like them, doing what they do. Living like the heathen. You know? And uh, so you need to torment their life so they'll come to God. See, we just came through a season, a, a season where the heathen practice certain things. I said, the heathen do it. And I guarantee you, if any of you who are new are still involved in that, you found there was no satisfaction and no fulfillment in that. You came through that and found yourself to be greatly empty. Because it's not the spirit of Christ. And by the way, when they get through killing these two guys, they have a Christmas party. They send gifts to each other. I don't have a problem with giving, you know, if you want to give a gift to somebody this time, I don't have a problem with that. But just don't get caught up in all the Christmas trees and all that Christmas stuff because that's not in the Bible and that's pagan and that's what the heathen do. Why do you think there's such a... Oh, yeah, see, I've already lost some of it. You, you can't handle this. You think you're going to live in the tribulation period? You can't handle what I just said? You can't handle something that doesn't bring fulfillment to you? You can't handle that? And this time of the year, you have great suicide and all this spirit of heaviness and oppression and the demonic and all kinds of crazy stuff, and you call that Christ? Why do you think there's such a... Oh, yeah, see, I've already lost some of it. You, you can't handle this. You think you're going to live in the tribulation period? You can't handle what I just said? You can't handle something that doesn't bring fulfillment to you? You can't handle that? And this time of the year, you have great suicide and all this spirit of heaviness and oppression and the demonic and all kinds of crazy stuff, and you call that Christ? And you, you would quit God because you think that's God? Don't go together. You can't quit God because you think that's God. So anyway, they give gifts because these guys are dead. Thank God these guys are dead because they tormented us for three and a half years, man. See, I want the people of God to love me. See, I don't want you fighting me. I don't need you fighting me. I got devils fighting me. I, I've got my own flesh to deal with. I, you know, I don't need you to fight me. I need you to, to be with me and to love me and love the truth and love the word of God and want to walk with God. Because if you don't receive a love for the truth that you might be saved, you'll receive a strong delusion from God and you'll believe a lie. You need to love the truth. But even if you don't love me, love God. Love God and love His Word. 
But anyway, this is what's happening in the middle of the tribulation period. So they are tormenting them. Now let's go to Revelation 12, and I'm going to try to come to the close here. Revelation 12, the middle point of the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation period, this is where the woman flees into the wilderness. And this is Judea again. Okay. Uh, she's flying out of Judea. Verse 14, the woman, uh, verse 14, chapter 12, we're given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly. Look at the connection to this. The connection of the eagle and that fourth seal in the middle of the tribulation period. That she might fly into the wilderness into a place where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half time. Three and a half years. There she is. She's fled from the wrath or from the Antichrist and, and gone into the wilderness to hide in that last three and a half years. Are y'all with me still? Revelation 13. Let's go there. In verse 5, <clears throat> uh, we talk about this first beast, this Antichrist. We see it here. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. He opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. <laughs> and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world why is this because if you look at verse 9 of chapter 12 and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and satan which deceived the whole world he was cast out in the earth and his angels were cast out with him in that middle time of the tribulation period that's when satan is cast out he moves into the antichrist the Antichrist conquers Judea. He moves into the, the temple of God, sets himself up as God, and gives the Antichrist his power. It's all connected in Revelation 13 with some kind of raising from death. It's a counterfeit resurrection. And this happens in the middle of the tribulation period. In the middle of the tribulation period, some kind of counterfeit resurrection takes place. Satan enters into that man. And for 42 months, he gives that man the power that he's going to... Uh, Demonstrate in the last three and a half years. Okay? And so he has power over uh, to overcome the saints. Hello? Y'all doing all right out there? Amen. Mm. Praise God. Isn't God a good God? Revelation 17. Let's go over there. Verse 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the horse, shall make her desolate naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and degree and give their kingdom unto the beast and the words of God shall be fulfilled and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth so this is the false woman this is the false church and at that time in the middle of the tribulation period the false church is destroyed by the antichrist he don't need her anymore he's used her and abused her now he's destroyed her you with me here okay so these are uh, some of the things that will be happening in the middle of the tribulation period. So you see the great time of, of persecution that's going to come. Now, let me explain something to you, and I'm going to close right now after I get through explaining this to you. That according to Jesus, he warns the people at that time to flee into the mountains. Those who are unbelieving, who do not take his warning, will die in Jerusalem. In Zechariah, it tells us, you read Zechariah 13 and Zechariah 14, it tells us that two-thirds of Israel will be killed at that time because the unbeliever, unbelieving in Israel did not 
listen to the warning of God and flee to the mountains. Okay? So there's going to be great persecution. It's called Jacob's, Jacob's trouble. It's the last three and a half years. Great persecution on Israel by the Antichrist. Many of those, though, that are going to be delivered are going to flee to the wilderness and, and obey the Word of God and hear the Word of God. All right, you hear with me? Antichrist persecuting Jerusalem and Israel is also the wrath of God upon Israel. The wrath of God upon Israel. But it's not His severe wrath which is on the Gentiles at the end of the tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, the wrath of God, the day of the Lord takes place, and it's a worldwide wrath that comes upon the Gentiles. The last three and a half years is the wrath of God, but it's just on Judea. It's on Jerusalem and Israel. Do you understand? But it does not exempt the church worldwide from persecution. And so Revelation 2 and 3, he talks to the church and forewarns them and tells them to overcome and promises them if they overcome, this is the kingdom. They'll, they'll, they'll walk into the kingdom. They'll walk into the millennium. Do you understand what I'm trying to, to show you here? Mm. Okay, let's pray. Let's stand. Oh, no, I got to read you a scripture. Thank you, Carl. Uh, the, Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3 and then Zechariah and then I'll be done I'll show you this <clears throat> wrath of God upon Israel Jerusalem Z Zephaniah Zephaniah I'll tell you what for the sake of time let's just go to, to uh, Zechariah Zechariah 13 and then read Zephaniah 3 or something yourself sometime Zechariah 13 <clears throat> verse 7 awake O sword against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow saith the Lord of hosts smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn my hand upon the little ones and it shall come to pass that in all the land which the Lord saith the Lord two parts therein shall be cut off and die but the third shall be left therein who is this third that's going to be left therein? Those that follow Antichrist. The other two thirds are going to be killed by him. And these are the people who stayed there, who did not flee. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people. And they shall say the Lord is my God. There will be a third that will be saved. A third that will be saved. Two-thirds of the nation of Israel will be destroyed at that time. 15.1 Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. But watch this, verse 2. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. There we go. There's Judea and Jerusalem. And the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and the half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then it talks about, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against the nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And that's his wrath against the nations. Before that, it's his wrath against Israel. And the conquering of the armies as they gather into, into Israel there. Okay? This is just such a beautiful, beautiful area of the Word of God to me.
And I say that because God, He's got all the time frames. He's got all the, the, the words in place. He's got all the... Uh, if I could say it this way, the, the, the actors in the drama, they're all there. And guess what? So is the church. So is the church. Read Revelation 2 and 3 yourself. You will find it. So is the church. And I think as we move into chapter 7, and in chapter 13, we see him overcoming the saints of Revelation. We move into chapter 7, we see people.